we are doing a one-off today. We just finished a sermon series called What I'm Not Doing for Christmas. How did that go for you? Did you, did you find yourself resting a little more this Advent, this December? Some people, when they hear those series, they take it as a challenge to not do that, so they get even busier. I hope that's not you. Uh, however that landed for you, I pray that that sense of rest and a rhythm of productivity, but then Sabbath rest and a focus on rich relationships instead of materialism and riches. I hope all those lessons will carry through in each one of our lives in 2020. Today, my wife told me what to preach on, and my wife is, is wiser than me in many, many areas, and so I listen to my wife. Gentlemen, happy wife, happy life. Figure that out, we'll save you a lot of pain. And uh, she reminded me that uh, I preached a series uh, I think it was 2012, 2013 at a previous church called Guardrails. It was kind of a cool series. We made a pulpit out of a guardrail, welded it together. We don't have that today, and we're not going to do a full series, but I'd like to just introduce the topic to you and challenge you in 2020 and challenge myself to carry this through. What is a guardrail? A guardrail is that metal thing on a curve in the road, or it could come in the form of a median, and it's there because sometimes a painted line is not enough. A guardrail protects you. It directs your vehicle. It makes sure that if you get a little too close, you're going to hit that guardrail instead of driving over a cliff or into a pole. And though a guardrail might do some damage, it's really minor damage. Anyone ever been in an accident where a guardrail saved them? You guys have, we have good drivers here, right? And, and, and that's kind of the point too. When you see the, the guardrail there visually, it gives you the presence of mind to drive responsibly. Have you ever been on a road where there should have been a guardrail on, on a side and you're looking over and you're thinking, wow, I wish I would have had more coffee today. I hope the minivan doesn't just go off the side of Glacier National Park uh, Road to the Sun. That's one of the steepest roads I've ever seen where there was a missing guardrail. What if the guardrail concept is really needed, not just on the road, but in our life. And that's really what I want to challenge you to today. Maybe the best gift you could give yourself as we enter into a new year is the gift of personal guardrails. It is the fifth a Sunday of the month, and every fifth Sunday of the month, we invite the kids who are older than nursery age to sit in with us, and we try to make the message applicable so that they can understand it. But on this Family Sunday, I think the best gift you could give your family in 2020 may just be some personal guardrails. Think about it. No one ever gets in a vehicle with the intent to destroy that vehicle, to total, to wreck their car. Likewise, no one intends to have an affair. No one intends or goes out of their way to get addicted. No one intends to ruin their life with workaholism or to make an ethical breach in a relationship. No one intends to have their character kind of de-evolve and their morality de-evolve simply by hanging out with people who lack character. So there are really four areas when it comes to guardrails, but before we... Uh, 
jump into what is a real practical sermon, I want, want to show you one place in Scripture where this really tees up the concept. There's many. Really, it's a wisdom principle. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, and in the fifth chapter in Ephesians, the letter we call Ephesians, he starts talking about right and wrong, good and bad, and pretty obvious stuff. Like, it's bad to do this, it's good to do this. But then, as the chapter unfolds, he starts to nuance it, and he starts to speak not to what is right or wrong, good or bad, but what is wise and what is unwise. Because some things aren't as black and white as right or wrong. They really require careful analysis and wisdom. And that's what guardrails are about. about. They're wisely putting little rules, little barriers in our life that we, when we bump into them, are reminded not to go off the cliff. And he is discussing uh, this wisdom principle in Ephesians 5. It's a little scripture, but I'd like us to read it together. Sometimes when you read things out loud, it, it helps you process it. So let's do that in one voice. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. This is God's word. Now, on first glance, this scripture looks like it's really just talking about uh, a right or wrong thing about drunkenness, about alcohol. But actually, if you read the context, there's a lot more going on here. The context was the ancient world and their ability to drink water that didn't make them sick. In the third world, today, you will go to places where the water is not always trustworthy. Anyone ever found out how untrustworthy the water is in a third world country? I have. And uh, in Honduras, for example, they have to boil all their water, and it tastes Last time I was there on a, a clean water mission trip. I got really sick of smoky-tasting water. And so in the ancient world, wine was much safer to drink in general than water. And it wasn't kind of the wine that we would drink today. It's a watered-down version of wine. And kids would drink it. Adults would drink it. Because, frankly, you had a better chance of not getting really, really sick. Though they didn't understand all the science of it, they fermentation would, would kill off what made you sick. And so it was actually kind of a common problem for people to not know how to moderate and all of a sudden be drunk. And, and what Paul is saying is he's saying, be careful, be wise. Obviously, you're going to have to drink this in our culture because sometimes the water will make you sick and you'll be in settings where you have to do that. But just be careful because drunkenness is a sin not exactly. That's not exactly what he's saying. He's saying because it leads to something that is sinful and is not what God wants for you, and because it gets in the way of something that God wants for you. He uses the word debauchery in Greek, kind of a complex term there, usually to do with sexual immorality, but also it really has the feeling of just a loss of self-control. And so what he's saying is be wise about how you spend your time because time is limited. 2019 went by like that, didn't it? I mean, I feel like I was just up here 
talking about how we want to live with wisdom in 2019. And now I'm saying it's all about 2020. And it goes like that. And I think the older you get, the faster it gets sometimes. Does anyone else relate to that? And so Paul is saying, because time is a limited commodity, you don't know if you're going to celebrate 2021, and neither do I. Use this limited quantity of time wisely because, he says, the days are evil. Now, at that point, we're like, what is he talking about? Is he just talking about the first century? Yeah, there was some evil, toxic culture going on in the first century, a lot of terrible practices, but it's really a phrase that communicates just the world is broken, and we know this. Another way to say this with the guardrail metaphor is the roads are dangerous, and don't we know it as Minnesotans? We just heard a kid say (laughs) his dad's nice truck was parked in a driveway and someone slipped on the ice and crashed into it. That's a bummer, and I don't know what kind of guardrail he could have put up to keep that from happening, but what we all can agree on is the days are dangerous. The days are dysfunctional. The culture around us and some of the impulses within us can get us and others into a lot of trouble. We're no different than the first century in this regard. And so Paul says, for example, don't get drunk on wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, God's presence. If you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, if you're new to this, you can think of it like your conscience. We all have a conscience, but when you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live permanently inside of you, and it's like a souped-up version of your conscience. This is why some of you, when you accepted Christ, were really bummed out for a period of time because kind of the sinful stuff you used to do didn't really satisfy as much because now that it's like there's this internal thing that, that says, eh, are you sure? Is this what we want to do? That's the Holy Spirit. It's convicting. It also encourages us. And Paul's reasoning is saying, okay, if you have to drink wine or water down wine in our culture when the, when the water will make you sick, just be wise. Be careful because if you get drunk, that's going to impede your ability to be led and discern and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it could lead you into something that is definitely a wrong thing called debauchery. Wisdom is required with alcohol, you could, you could assume from this, but I would also say wisdom is required for relationships. Have you heard of the Billy Graham rule, now called recently the Mike Pence rule? It's been causing a lot of controversy in the news cycle in 2019. It's this um, standard, this guardrail, this barrier that Billy Graham had implemented Many, many years ago, when he was just getting into ministry, he looked around and he saw other evangelists and pastors having affairs and ruining their marriage and compromising their ministry ability, disqualifying themselves. And he said, that, if that can happen to him, it could happen to me. So I'm going to put up a personal guardrail in my life. And for him, it was he wasn't going to meet alone for dinner with a woman. And, and he was so extreme Uh, from our cultural standpoint, that he wouldn't even ride in an elevator alone with a woman. Now, this has come up in a Harvard Business Review article recently as archaic, because Mike Pence adopted that too. And and the reasoning has some logic and some merit. This could really seriously hurt uh, a female's ability to advance in a certain corporation. 
if a woman is trying to get into a certain part of the workforce and the, a person won't meet with that person. And so there's been this big debate. But what I noticed is interesting. However you fall on that debate, wouldn't we all be grateful if Harvey Weinstein would have had that archaic guardrail? If Matt Lauer would have put that guardrail into his life? You see, our culture has a way of really dissing, disrespecting any version of a guardrail. We, we, it's like we're saying, painted lines are good enough. We don't need any guardrails. And, and the, our culture has a way of making fun of anybody who puts a guardrail in their life. And yet that very same culture will ridicule and condemn the very same person who five minutes ago they said, you don't need any guardrails. But now that they've driven over the cliff of sexual immorality, now that they've driven over the cliff of financial ruin, now that they've driven, driven over the cliff of debauchery or drunkenness, that same culture will condemn that person and say, how dare they? You see, you could put it like this. Our culture is basically fine with the phrase, be careful, right? Drink responsibly. That's a subversion of be careful. You know, you don't have to have a Billy Graham rule. Just, just be careful in relationships. But, but you see, that's a good intention. But guardrails are how one is careful. What personal guardrails need to be erected in your life? For many of us, it's finances. Because we've never really kept a budget, because, because we've never really decided what portion we're going to be called to be generous with and steward and where we're going to give that and because we just kind of make it up as we go and we have no guardrails in our finances we we end up in a place we never thought we would be we find ourselves in mountains of debt we find ourselves with that painful feeling like I want to be generous I get that I'm made in God's image and he's generous and I want to but I don't have any money because I have no guardrails and I've spent it all foolishly when when uh, Ephesians 5 says don't be foolish we bristle a little right that's mean Paul don't call somebody a fool but in in the Hebrew culture in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament the Hebrew Bible a fool is contrasted with a wise person constantly. If you read the book of Proverbs, there's the fool, and this is what the fool does, and then there is the wise person. And with every proverb in our book of Proverbs, we're invited to do a little self-reflection. Am I being foolish in this area, or am I being wise? Because some things are not simply right or wrong, black or white, and they call for great wisdom. What is the wise choice given my current circumstances, my past experiences, and my future hopes and dreams? That's one way to ask that. Are you facing a difficult decision in your life? Ask yourself this. What is the wise choice given my current circumstances, my past experience, and my future hopes and dreams? When you're driving, though, it's hard to react quickly, isn't it? And that's why guardrails are so needed. That question is helpful, what is the wise thing? But sometimes life moves so fast, you don't have 
a reaction time and you find yourself wishing that you had put up a guardrail in your life. We have kids in the service today. One of the Proverbs I kind of keep in mind as a parent for them, and I've even explained this to my kids, is Proverbs 13:20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. This is why parents have opinions about who their children hang out with. This is why your parents potentially were always kind of snooping in your business and who's your friend and, and, and maybe you should hang out with this kid. I remember my dad told me a story once about his father. I never got to meet my, my grandpa Frank, but grandpa Frank would take my dad to the racetracks in St. Paul where uh, hounds would run and you'd bet on them. It's probably not great parenting uh, to take, take your children to gambling racetracks, but he used it as a teaching example, and he said, little Larry, do you see that mechanical rabbit? There was a mechanical rabbit on an arm that would go around the track really fast, and the dogs would all run after it. He said, do you notice that n even the fastest dog never catches that rabbit? Yeah, I, I, he, it seems like it always goes a little faster. He goes, Larry, you need to find rabbits in your life, people you might never be able to catch, but you'll always run after them and you'll run faster than you ever would if you didn't have a rabbit. And so that became terminology in the Lotzer home. And so growing up, I would roll my eyes. He'd go, is this a rabbit or is it not a rabbit? I don't know if he's a rabbit dad, but he's, in a, he's a cool kid and I'm not cool. And I want to be cool. One, one time my dad actually got so, uh, what is the word? Poor boundaries, controlling. He, he, he just brought my teacher into a meeting and he's like, I need you to pick out the top three kindest, hardest working, ethical kids in the class and you will sit my son in between all of them. <laughs> and I mean, my dad was an undercover cop and he had this way, he still has a way, he just tells you to do something, You're like, I guess that's what's happening now. And so one day, all of a sudden, I'm sitting next to these nerdy kids, but here's the thing. One of those nerdy kids was in my wedding. I went to, I went to uh, theological seminary with another one of those nerdy kids. It is very likely I wouldn't have been a pastor and you wouldn't be hearing this sermon had that rabbit not been in my life. Had my dad not set up, albeit an awkward guardrail, <laughs> but a guardrail. The thing about guardrails, whether it's relationships, finances, sexual faithfulness. The thing about guardrails in every instance is they're put up in the safe zone. And that's why we don't like to put them up, right? But think about the road, my friends. The guardrails do not float in thin air on a curve around a cliff. They are on the road. And it takes away some of your freedom, doesn't it? It means that your tire is not allowed to go on that little strip of road because the guardrail has to stand there. And sometimes, in some areas, our initial response is to say, how dare I not be able to use the entire road? But when we need the guardrail, it's funny how we're glad it was there. Nobody need, needs one until they do. So let me challenge you, and it's a challenge to me too, believe me, as your pastor. What 
area in your life do you need to put up a guardrail? It could be a substance. It could be a certain relationship. It could be a professional guardrail. You've watched other people in your industry do things gradually. They were able to drive just a little further, a little further, and you've watched them drive off the cliff ethically or morally. Is there a guardrail that you could put up? Just a standard. A guardrail is just a rule. Not because the thing is bad in and of itself or completely off limits, because it leads to something that is bad and off limits. Think about it. Some of your worst regrets in life would have never happened had you and I put a guardrail. For every person that can argue very articulately that they don't need a guardrail, I've talked to 10 other people in a pastoral situation, in tears, in the wake of a broken marriage, infidelity, addiction, professional suicide, who wish they could do it over again. Isn't there an area in your life that, if you're honest, you really wish you could go back? And it really is endless. We, my wife and I were talking about all the different guardrails and the possibilities, and it's a good conversation to have. And we said, you know, we really want to be more present with our kids in 2020. I found lately I've just been watching too much TV. We got into the Star Wars thing, and man, there's a lot of Star Wars movies. And it's cool to watch that with my kids, but it's not quite the same as being fully present and connecting and and then have you ever gotten into the Facebook scrolling at like 9 p.m. at night and all of a sudden it's 10 p.m. at night and you wonder if your hand is surgically attached to your smartphone? Erica's like, do you know that there's like a setting on your phone that you can just turn off Facebook access between this hour and that hour? And I was like, that, that's amazing. That would be a guardrail if I put it that setting on my phone. What would it guard me against? It would guard me against driving off the cliff of being a total absent father, an absent husband, someone who never connects with God in prayer or, or engages in something of substance? Is it wrong to look at Facebook between this hour, is this hour? Is it wrong to binge watch Star Wars, all eight to 10 movies? No, it's not sinful, it's not wrong, but is it wise? Or is it unwise? Time is a limited commodity, my friends. And so as we measure time in 2020 and 12 months, my simple challenge to us all is to put up guardrails. We will be glad that we did. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for just this helpful little metaphor. Um, thank you for uh, Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church who came up with it. And uh, I pray if this stirs um, action in, in our hearts that we would uh, have a conversation with our loved ones and with ourselves and with you about what guardrails need to be put up to direct us, to protect us from driving off the metaphorical cliff. Lord, help us and train us to teach uh, our children, to model wisdom for our children, to live as wise, not as unwise, to redeem the time because we don't know how much we have of it. And it is a gift. 
Protect us on the road of life, Lord, and give us wisdom in 2020. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.